We're going to look in some commercial bank and learn how banks serve. The Outline World Dispatch. It's Thursday, September 14th, 2017. I'm Sam Thonis. Today on The Dispatch, the frustrations of calling Equifax on the phone. Welcome to the Equifax automated ordering system. And the quote-unquote blurred lines of the campus rape debate. The main audience for this book is parents who are trying to understand the culture that their kids are becoming a part of once they go to college. Here's The Dispatch. The future. Last week, the credit reporting agency Equifax announced that it had been the target of an enormous security breach. Up to 143 million credit records were presumably stolen in the hack. That's close to half the country's population. With such sensitive information at risk, people obviously want to know if they were affected by the hack. Brian Fung at the Washington Post called Equifax to find out if his personal identification had been compromised. And his experience was not very smooth. Brian's on the phone with us now. Hi, Brian. Hi there. Um, and so just to take a quick step back, how did you, did you just see people tweeting about the nightmare of calling and then decided to record a call or what was the process? Yeah, there was a um, just a lot of folks on social media who had complained of problems. And I think Equifax had also addressed this in a statement um, over the weekend saying that they were going to add more capacity to the phone lines um, to make sure that people could get their answers straightened out. And we thought it would be useful and illuminating for people who, you know, were thinking about calling but hadn't or who were, you know, not comfortable using the Equifax website um, to try and just show what happened. So tell me what happened when you called Equifax and tried to get information from them. So if you've been to Equifax's data breach site, um, EquifaxSecurity2017.com, um, the company has a little phone number at the bottom of the website that says, you know, we're a dedicated uh, helpline. Um, you know, you, you can call us and we'll answer any questions you may have about um, what's going on. And so we decided to call that number um, to see if they could uh, figure out whether my information was compromised. Um, and that seemed to us to be a pretty reasonable question. Um, so here's what happened. We called the number, and the person who picked up the phone, turns out it wasn't that helpful. They said they could only answer general questions about the hack. They said if we wanted to try and find out whether our information was uh, released, we would have to call another number. Um, so we called that number, and uh, the person on that phone line actually read us back the first number we'd called. Well, I told them we had just called that number five minutes ago, and they couldn't help us. And the person on this phone line said, well, if you wanted, you could set up a what's known as a 90-day credit fraud alert on your account. For the time being, sir, you can still place a 90-day fraud alert on your credit report, which would encourage your future creditors to take extra steps to verify your identity before they approve any new lines of credit under your name. I'll give you the toll-free number so that'll help you place that fraud alert. We said, okay, great. We'd love to put a... Um, 90-day credit fraud alert on, on my account. Um, can you help us do that? And the person on the other end of the line said, actually, I don't have the power to do that. Um, what you're going to have to do is call a third number. And he rattled off another number. So we called the third number. Um, and instead of talking to a human, um, this entire system was automated. Welcome to the Equifax automated ordering system. 
This system allows you to order a copy of your Equifax credit file. And that's not what we wanted. If you are calling regarding a minor child, please say minor or press 8. So it sounds like at this point it's like a combination of um, kind of confusion, bureaucracy, and and flawed technology. Yeah, you could say that. Um, even after that, though, it wasn't ever really clear whether or not the alert had been put into effect. And how long did this whole process take? Um, probably about 45 minutes, a little okay. over 40 minutes. So 40, 45 minutes in, uh, it sounds like you still don't have real clarity on anything. Yeah, I still don't really know whether or not my information was affected. Um, of course, you can go to Equifax's website and plug in your personal information. Um, they ask for your last name and the, the last six digits of your social security number. Right. But obviously, if you're someone who doesn't feel comfortable doing that, um, or you know, maybe you think that calling the company that uh, was subjected to the data breach and asking them just point blank whether your information was affected, that you should be able to get that answer. Maybe, you know, you'd think that maybe that would be something you could do. You know, for the sake of reporting, you went through this grueling 45-minute call. Um, but I'm curious, did you ever actually put your name and information into the website? I did not. Have you have you heard from anyone who did that and and was able to get any kind of clarity? Some people have been told that their information may have been leaked, and then they're uh, I believe prompted to sign up for Equifax's free credit monitoring service, um, which then becomes not free after a year. Um, and what has the response been after you did this, um, either from Equifax or readers? Um, well, we've gotten a lot of responses from readers who uh, have expressed similar difficulties. You know, Equifax has actually you know, thrown a lot more manpower at this issue. Um, so the, the wait times, at least, are no longer as severe as they were uh, over the weekend when this news first broke. And we certainly never experienced any significant um, hold times. I think the longest we may have waited was about five minutes. But, you know, the experience overall was having to wait, um, but then also not getting the answers that we were um, hoping to get. Do you have any advice after going through this experience yourself? So um, generally, I would say, you know, I've been offering two pieces of advice that security experts have also recommended. Um, the first being, you could try to freeze your credit, which is different from the 90-day credit fraud alert that I tried to put on my account. A credit freeze essentially um, makes it so that hardly anyone um, can pull your credit report so that if a hacker or a criminal were to use your stolen information to set up a new account in your name, um, the creditor, such as the bank or the mortgage lender, wouldn't be able to look at your credit report at all. The other thing you could do is what I tried to do at the end of my call, which is to uh, apply that 90-day credit uh, fraud alert, which, as I said, you know, essentially makes it so that the creditor would have to call you to verify um, your identity to make sure that you're the one requesting the new credit line. But, you know, as with all things, neither of those steps is necessarily fail-proof. Um, there's no guarantee that, that those steps would prevent a hacker or a thief from stealing your identity. All right. Thanks so much, Brian. Thanks for having me. Brian Fung is a technology reporter for The Washington Post. 
You can find a link to his piece on Equifax in the show notes. Power. Hey, Gabby. Hey, Sam. You reviewed a book recently that you took some issues with. Um, it's called Blurred Lines by Vanessa Gregoriadis. What was the book about? The book was an exploration of rape and sexual assault on college campuses and basically argued that there is one side, which is the activist side, that says believe women at all costs. Like you should always believe women who accuse people of sexual assault. And there's another side that says that a lot of the alleged rapes that happen on college campuses aren't predatory or done by these horrible male predators, but just by boys who don't necessarily understand what it is that they're doing. And sometimes they are predatory, but a lot of the time, as the title implies, the lines are blurry and it's not really clear what happened. Right. This is a debate that's been going on for a long time and it's been in the news quite a bit in the last few years. Um, Why did this book come out now? Why does it matter right now? The book came out at a really opportune time for the writer, I think. Uh, Two days after it was released, Trump's education secretary, Betsy DeVos, announced that her office would be rolling back Title IX guidelines on sexual assault that were implemented by the Obama administration. Washington's push to require schools to establish these quasi-legal structures to address sexual misconduct comes up far too short for far too many students. The results of the current approach everyone loses. So you're not looking for, in the book, she basically says you're not looking for a smoking gun. You're looking for something that will tip the scales. And DeVos and others have a lot of issues with that because they say that male students who are accused of sexual assault have their lives ruined by this and it's not fair to them. Um, So it sounds like the author's stance is very much kind of in the middle. It's, It's not really taking one hardline stance or the other. Um, which makes me wonder who this book is written for. Um, Who do you think she's talking to? Like, what is her perspective on this? Yeah, I actually spoke to her after the review was published, and she told me that the main audience for this book is parents who are trying to understand the culture that their kids are becoming a part of once they graduate high school, leave home, and go to college. And... A big part of that is that collegiate culture has changed a lot since the 90s when Gregoriadis went to school and since the time that a lot of current college students' parents went to school. Now you have hookup apps and you have this very casual hookup culture. And I think a question that a lot of older people have is if you're sexting someone, if this girl sent this boy a nude and later he raped her or she says that he raped her, was it actually rape? Does the nude presuppose consent? Like what's going on here? So it sounds like Gregoriadis did her research. Um, It's not like she's just pulling things out of thin air, but the conclusions she came to were maybe slightly different than where you would land. Um, What about her kind of middle of the road, blurred lines stance is, is harmful? What about that empowers people like Betsy DeVos? I think before I say what's harmful, I do think some of this discussion is necessary, but the problem is that Activism and feminism aren't these insular movements where you can have these these discussions without them being co-opted by the right. So if you write about how 
women don't lie about being raped, but a lot of them exaggerate, then you shouldn't be surprised when someone like Betsy DeVos takes that same thing and says, not only do I think this, but this feminist who's saying that sexual assault is real and common is saying it. Right. It's like this feminist expert who did research and wrote a book is agreeing with me, you know, then she can use that as evidence. Yeah, exactly. And I do think that one of her biggest beefs with the on-campus activists is that they're not, their arguments aren't the most nuanced, but like they're 20. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, (laughs) they're ultimately doing something positive. So you mentioned earlier that the author said to you that this book was really written for parents. Um, After having read it yourself, would you recommend this to a certain type of person, a certain age group? Anybody? If you're already familiar with the campus rape debates, if you're already knowledgeable about it, I think this is a good way of thinking critically about activism and adding nuance to it. But otherwise, I don't think this is a good place to start. Gabby Del Valle is a staff writer here at The Outline. That's it for The Dispatch. Remember, you can subscribe and get new episodes every Monday through Thursday. Just search Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Sam Thonis. Have a great weekend. More stories on Monday.